It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is David Berzon. David is the current CEO of Snooze and his love for the food industry began back in 1991 when he started as an evening prep cook and baker at Paradise Bakery in Aspen, Colorado. After becoming a partner and spending 23 years at that company, they successfully sold it to Panera Bread back in 2007, and David stayed on for four years as a senior vice president at Panera. In 2011, he moved his family back to Colorado and took a look around for new opportunities and became CEO of Snooze in 2012. Under David's leadership, Snooze has grown to now operating over 35 restaurants across five states and has over 2,100 employees. David Berzon, welcome into the corner office. Thank you. Great Thanks to have you me. here. Yeah, no, wonderful to connect with you. And, you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about planning the podcast, but we always like to kind of start with the early days. So tell us a little bit about, you know, where you grew up and uh, what your early family life was like. Sure. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and I guess a normal uh, middle-class family. My dad was an attorney and college professor at, oh. uh, at SUNY at Buffalo. Right. Uh, my mom was an artist, and uh, my brother, uh, and, and you know, I had a, one brother and one sister, and, you know, we lived in the city, so that was really uh, interesting. Buffalo's the mm. second largest city in New York State, so right. uh, it was a lot of fun. Middle uh, child, top, middle, down the bottom. Middle child. <laughs> middle child. The, the, well, the well-adjusted one. I like, <laughs> there you as, go. As I like to joke with my siblings. <laughs> Tell me about some of the things that mom and dad taught you growing up. What, what specific uh, inspirations or any things that might have influenced you in those early days? I mean, more than anything, a work ethic. I mean, both my mm. folks were really hard workers uh, and they expected the same from their kids. They placed a high value on, on education. And in my household, it wasn't where you're going to go to college. It was where you're going to go to grad school. Right, so that right. was kind of uh, indelible uh, in, in my brain from a young age, but, you know, more than anything, you know, I saw both my folks uh, work quite a bit and I always loved to work. And I started working as soon as I turned 15 years old. Wow. Awesome. What was that first job? My first job was at a grocery store called Fresh Mart. Okay. Uh, and it was kind of in a lousy neighborhood. And uh, I had one of the worst jobs. Uh, it should be in that television show, Worst Jobs, because <laughs> I would I would come in. This was back in the day when uh, grocery stores had their own butcher shops. Oh, yeah. And I would come in after school and I'd have to clean the meat room. Because they were all union butchers, so they didn't do their own cleaning. 
<laughs> I bet that was uh, a, a, a bit of a humbling experience, I imagine, even it, as a 15-year-old. It was a humbling experience, but I learned I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Who were some of the early influencers in your life? Uh, you know, anyone either at that job or perhaps a coach or a teacher that you remember from those early days? Yeah, a bunch. Um, you know, certainly my father, who, you know, I mm. respected just a, a boatload. Um, you know, I mean, the guy... Uh, I think I think our generation has a little different outlook, but uh, you know he was definitely of a generation where you uh, you know you work work work. I mean he was typically yeah. out the door by six thirty in the morning, and he'd come home just in time to kiss us uh, kiss us uh, and put us mm-hmm. in bed at night. Yeah. And uh, you know I p- really picked up a lot from that. Um, you know one of my very first uh, managers, a guy named Paul that I worked with at Freshmart, who you know no one had really, even though I wanted to work, no one had really taught me how to work. Uh, right. And I remember my f- after my first week cleaning the meat room, he sat down with me and said, "You're doing a lousy job," and uh, <laughs> and, and no one had ever said that to me before. And I was right. really uh, just taken aback. And I asked him, you know, what does it take to do a great job? And you know. You know, I really did learn uh, from him, you know, the old adage that any job worth doing is a job worth doing well. Right, right. Awesome. Mom was an artist. Was she also a college grad? Uh, my mom was not a college grad. She yeah. actually uh, went to college and then dropped out to uh, follow my dad, uh, which, you know, happened a lot back back sure. then. Uh, sure. They got, you know, married in 1960. Um but a uh, brilliant woman, uh, an amazing artist, sold textiles all over the uh-huh. world. So, uh, you know, but also a hard worker. And she, you know, she was not a, she was not a housekeeper. I mean, she had right. us making our own beds, doing our own laundry, packing <laughs> our own lunch from probably the time I was nine years old. Good skills to learn at an early age. Yep. Were you a good student in school, David? I was an okay student. You know, I, I, I like to think that the, uh, the A students work for the C students, but, um, (laughs) anything that really picked my interest, um, I loved and I did really well. And, 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 you know, I got an A in physics because I loved the physics teacher and Mm -hmm. I loved what we were studying, uh, things I wasn't that interested in, like foreign languages. I didn't do that well. So, but I, you know, I was, I was always busy and I was always highly involved in any organizations or groups that were at school and kind of the same. Uh, and, and then once I got to college, I really settled down and became a serious student. In those early days, um, you know, what about outside of class, sports, music, theater, anything you were involved with? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of, it was a little bit of a band uh, geek and played the Mm -hmm. trombone, uh, did some theater. uh, I ran a lot, so um, played baseball. So, Mm. you know, pretty much everything. But I was always a, uh, you know, I was always uh, a great teammate sitting on the bench because I just was not that skilled an athlete. (laughs) Yeah, got it. What about entrepreneurial things? Were you, you know, had the ubiquitous paper route? Did you, uh, you know, sell greeting cards at Christmas time or any of those types of things? I definitely had a had a paper route. Yeah. Um, I used to get in trouble at school a lot for selling gum and candy and things like that that you you weren't supposed <laughs> buy in bulk and repackage. You, that you kind weren't of thing. supposed to do, but I right, I right. always just loved earning uh, earning money. And you know, I, I as soon as I was fifteen and went to work at Freshmart, I used to joke around that I was the richest guy in my high school. I mean, I was I was pro- <laughs> I was probably making seventy bucks a week, and that was all the money in the world back then. Nice. And what did you spend the money on? Was it a rainy day fund or did you have uh, some oh, I, specific I, I hobbies? Saved, that I, you enjoyed? Sa- I saved a little, but you know, yeah. we, 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 you know, we, we'd go out, uh, we could, I could go out with my friends, go to the movies. I mean, back then 
uh, you know, I could go out on a date for 20 bucks for an entire yeah. evening. So yeah, right. it, it, the money went far. Right. So you said that college was kind of a foregone conclusion. D dad had a master's? Uh, yeah, my dad, uh, d dad uh, went to Columbia Law School. Right. And you said you did some teaching as well. So was he kind of an adjunct at, uh, at SUNY in uh, Buffalo yep. or what was he? Yeah, yep. He was it. an adjunct professor there. Right. He taught there for 40 something years, a long wow. time. Wow. So going to college was a foregone conclusion. How, how did you decide where to go and what to study? Well, I, you know, I, did, I, I really never thought about going any place except university at Buffalo where my dad taught. Um, okay. you know, I basically, I, went to school for free except for having to buy my textbooks. Nice. Um, you know, I, I loved, uh, I had a bunch of friends that were going there and, you know, I think for, I really realized that college is what I was going to make of it anyway. Mm. And I became very involved. I wrote for the student newspaper. I was in student government. I was president of my fraternity. I mean, wow. you know, you name it, I kind of got involved in it. So, yeah. um, I had a great experience there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And what was your degree in? Uh, business. Business. Okay, cool. And then did you go on to get your master's degree as well? I, I did. I went in, uh -huh. uh, went back and got my MBA. And did you do that also uh, in Buffalo? Also, or? At, also at SUNY at Buffalo. <laughs> okay. All right. Excellent. And so that first job out of college, uh, did you work for a few years um, between getting your bachelor's and master's? Um, I did, but I was kind yeah. of a, I was kind of a ski bum um, at that point. You know, I had finished college, decided to move to Aspen, Colorado, and just take a year off. When I had graduated college, um, you know, the uh, the collapse uh, in, in the late '80s right. of the financial markets had happened, and I had a degree in finance, so no one was really hiring. So I thought I'd take a year off and go ski. Uh, I did that, um, and that's where I started working at Paradise Bakery. That was right. one of one of my jobs in uh, in 1989, uh, and then I decided I was going to go back uh, and go to law school and get my MBA. Oh. And uh, I dropped out of law school at, at about the end of the first week. Um, <laughs> not a long lived career there. there. It, it was not for me, but not you know, for you, right? it, it's funny. My, 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 one of the things I also got growing up from my dad was he had this belief that you just can't make it in life unless you're an attorney. And, you know, my wow. sister was an attorney and my brother went to law school Oh wow! and uh, I thought I needed to do it. And I remember sitting in a class and it's just not my personality. I think the teacher right. was saying something like the sky is blue and another student was arguing with him that no, it can't possibly be blue. And I just said, I am not, this is so not me. Uh, and, I, and I went and resigned and then went and told my father, but I did oh, finish goodness. the MBA part. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So how many years in between from the time that you graduated undergrad before you went back? It was a, it was just a year. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. So that was you can, a, you can, a, you can only, out to Colorado and then back again. You can only ski so long before you decide you got <laughs> to exactly. do something serious. Awesome. Awesome. So coming out of grad school then, what was that first job? Was that back at Paradise? It, it was, or? it was back yeah. at Paradise. I mean, yeah. I had, I had never um, really worked in the food excuse me, industry before Paradise Bakery. And right. I got to do so uh, that year that I took off and I became friendly with the two brothers that founded the business. Mm. Um, and I really loved it. I mean, you know, food, if you have an outgoing personality and you have a strong desire to serve, um, you know, it's certainly non, not a nonprofit, but, you know, if you really are a human being that loves to serve other individuals mm. um, and you also want to manage something big, um, I really got fulfilled doing that. And so I went back to grad school, but I really loved 
that business. I didn't know much about it from the business side at that point. And then as I was uh, getting ready to finish up my MBA, the two founders of Paradise Bakery kept calling me and say, you know, and they kept saying, come, come to work for us. I mean, you got to come back to work for us. The problem was, I think they were starting me at about $22,000. And I had a job offer at the time from a pretty big company um, at about $50,000 a year, which was all the money, you know, really all the money in the world back at that time. But I knew where my heart uh, led. And I Mm. I told the founders, I said, I'll come work for you if you consider making me a partner. And they said, work for us one year and prove yourself and we'll make you a partner. And that's what I did. Nice, nice. So some equity came along with that. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. And did you have uh, leadership responsibilities early on, David? Oh yeah. I mean, I came in as a, I came in as an assistant manager, um, and then uh, I, uh, it was funny. The GM at the time, uh, after about six months, he became my assistant manager, and I took his role. <laughs> Wow. And, uh, you know, then I started supervising our second location there in the Valley. And then I think by the end of the first year, we had, you know, we were elected out of like 300 businesses, the best run business in the Valley. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it moved up very quickly. And that was in the Aspen area. So uh-huh. you, you, you got your hobby back as well. I did. I got my hobby back a little bit, but I, <laughs> but I, I did work a lot. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. And then uh, when I finally did get my ownership, because I had proved myself, um, we started opening Paradise Bakeries in Texas. So I moved to Dallas, wow. Texas, wow. and we started opening there, uh, and then eventually moved to Phoenix, where I lived for 17 years and, and yeah. you know grew to run that business. Right. What were some of the earliest leadership lessons you you got from you know former bosses and mentors? Gosh, the earliest one uh, probably is it's very, uh, you know, it's very difficult to fire people. Everybody learns that mm. right away, right? That's right. It's, yeah. it's necessary, but... Um, First but, time's the toughest. Oh, mm. it's it's brutal. As a matter of fact, right. the, this is a true story. So, you know, in, in Aspen, you know, pretty much everyone there is there to ski and pay their rent. And I had this kid working for me, this young man, and I knew he couldn't work for me and I sat down with him and I let him go and he started complaining, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. What am I going to do? And hmm. I said, hold on a minute. And I ran across the street to Banana Republic and I got him a job as a stock boy. Oh. Wow. That's that's service. Huh? <laughs> that service. But uh, that, that's just how bad I felt at the time. Uh, but, you know, I also learned that, look, it, it's it's business and conversations with people. Right. Our business, hospitality business is a people business. And in order to lead, you have to learn to deal with people. And that's a time on sport. So I learned to never avoid the difficult conversations because they were always learning opportunities. Um, and to really jump right in with, uh, with, with both feet. Um, you know, I, I also learned from my mentor, Dan Patterson, um, that you got to take the time to learn your craft. You know, I was always itching to move up. You know, when can I move up? Mm. I want to, I want to go from assistant manager to manager, manager to district manager, district to regional, regional vice president. And I just want to move up. And I remember early on, he said, look, you're all of, you know, you have your master's degree. You're all of 23 (laughs) years old. Take some time and really learn Mm. this business. So I did. I mean, I was a general manager of different restaurants for about three years. um, And what I learned, the foundational three years, um, and what I learned, Mm. the foundational to this day. Yeah. Now you came into a partnership with two brothers, I think you said, right? Yeah. At Paradise. Uh-huh. Now, how did that go? Because that can be kind of a little, little tenuous given that they're family and been together for a long time. And you kind of came in as the outside employee. Uh, were there some uh, rough patches along the way? 
You know, I, people are always amazed when I tell them this because <laughs> partnerships are, are always known for some strife. But no, we, we, had, we actually, I was with those guys uh, 20 years until we sold the business and we had phenomenal relationships. Wow. We had a great, great time doing it. I think we all really focused on different facets of the business, mm. but at the same time, um, you know, that they were older than, than I was, um, you know, Danny right. was 20 years older than I was, oh, so wow. it yeah. wasn't very competitive. And, you right. know, at that time I was this young guy looking to make my first score and they, they had just started raising young families. So I got to take on a great deal of responsibility, mm -hmm. uh, at an sure. early age. Yeah, they were happy for you to spend that uh, 15 hour days back to back, I'm sure. Uh, right? <laughs> Looking back on it, ab <laughs> absolutely, but uh, I'm not complaining. Yeah, awesome. And uh, with regards to, you know, the moving around, did, did you start your family during that period or did that come later after you kind of transitioned from paradise? I did. I met my, yeah. uh, I met my uh, wife in, um, in Dallas, Texas. Right. Uh, when I was in Dallas for those few years, we moved to Phoenix in 1996, I believe. Okay. And our, our son was born in 97, daughter born in 99. And wow. now they're both uh, out of the house. So yeah, yeah. Gosh, those years go by fast. Well, was that a challenge, you know, kind of the work-life balance and, uh, you know, knowing uh, the restaurant industry, you know, as you know, we work in search and do quite a bit of work in that industry. And I just know how dedicated the folks are. And, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about how uh, it's a struggle sometimes because you also have got a family at home. And, you know, you remarked about how your dad, you know, made sure he got home to kiss your brothers and brother and sister goodnight. You know, were you able to spend the kind of quality time with your family that you'd hope to? No, I absolutely didn't. But, you know, the, yeah. you learn those lessons too late because you, uh, you know, you, you hear these things from, from everybody says the same thing, that those kids grow up fast. Yeah. But when they're young, you don't believe it because every day is a difficult one when you have a baby or a toddler, right? <laughs> you got to hope they grow up faster at that time, <laughs> right? right? So it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're growing up uh, quickly. Fast enough, yeah. And, and you know, it's. I've always thought it'd be great to have kids at a later age because truly when you're in your late 20s or early 30s, you really are trying to make it in your career and you're putting right. in the long hours. And then you do wake up and realize, wow, I can't get that time back. So I actually here at, uh, at Snooze, you know, go out of my way to make sure people are not missing mm -hmm. events at school. I'm constantly lecturing anyone that I see working too hard that, you know, you've got to have that balance. I, yeah. I you know, come yeah. in, get your work done, work hard, grow, but uh, you can't get, you know, you can't get a school day back. You can't get, um, right. you know, a missed baseball Birthdays. game back. Yeah. Yeah. Back to those earlier days when you first started managing people, what, what were some of the key challenges that you found you had? You know, we're, we're, we are in, look, we're, we're in a people business and we're mm -hmm. in a, we are in a business where great turnover. I still can't get my arms around this and you're, you're, you're in the search industry, executive search, but you know, I still laugh to this day when we'll report for, uh, for our own business that we only had 60%, um, turnover for the year, which is literally probably, uh, less than half of what our industry that's, is known yeah, for. That's very good for the industry. Um, yeah. Yet, you know, we have 2000, uh, employees. So, right, I mean, that's right. 1200 people yeah. that, right. so uh, someone still is, I, I've yet to understand how that is great. So, right. you know, we're right. constantly, so, you know, I, I've learned that, look, this is a business about people and it always will be. Mm. And as I've riven, risen through the ranks, 
you know, here I am sitting at my desk talking to you at Snooze, and we've got this big office that we call the Mothership, and forty hmm. something people running around here. Um, uh, some at the C level, a uh, senior vice president yeah. level, VP level, and none of that matters because everything that we do happens at the restaurant level. It happens from the general managers and and our staff that are serving our guests. So no matter what we do strategically here, it all comes down to how someone feels when they walk out the door after having eaten breakfast with us. Right, right. So, you know, what what is it that you think at this stage, um, you know, you kind of do differently maybe now than you did 15, 20 years ago when you first got started when it comes to the people at the front line? Yeah, I mean, I I still engage. I would like to think that it's the things I don't do differently that sets <laughs> okay. me apart. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, one of the challenges is the higher up you go and the more your responsibilities shift out of your core business, um, which is actually operating restaurants and serving guests, right. um, you lose that focus and you tend to lose sight of what business are we really in, at least in our industry. That, right. that That's certainly true. So I definitely try to uh, get out to the restaurants. As a matter of fact, I was worried I was going to be late today because I was running back from one of our restaurants. <laughs> right, uh, right. I make sure that at least once a quarter, I, uh, I actually go in and work a full shift in one of our restaurants. I, I love to Excellent. serve and yeah. I'll take an entire section of tables and and I'm the server for those uh, for those lucky people, or or as as our staff likes to joke, unlucky people, because I don't <laughs> I don't do it often enough to be great at it. But but I've got right. a lot of but I've got a lot of heart. Good for you. Yeah, excellent. How would you say your leadership styles kind of evolved over time? You know, it, it, it's become much less intense. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. You know, I'm more believe, forgiving. Uh, <laughs> much more forgiving, and nothing. Yeah. You know, you do get to a point uh, after I've been doing this thirty something years now. It's pretty rare that uh, a new problem walks through the door um, right. or uh, something, you know, uh, an issue presents itself that hasn't presented itself before. And, you know, you learn in those early days, you tend to be a little a little more uh, passionate, uh, emotional, a little more hot headed uh, in your right. decision making. Things upset you and, and very few things upset me nowadays. I, I, yeah. You know, I yeah. that being said, I, I really have never raised my voice. Um, I learned that mm. very early on from the founders of Paradise that never raise your voice to anyone for any reason. Um and anytime you do, it's going to be worse for you. Right. And so, sure. I, you know, I've, I've ne never tended to be uh, high, highly emotional. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. now I'm at a stage of my career where I really get to sit back and mentor others um, nice. and, you know, get to manage them. Uh, I still, you know, my, my style of management is I, I always tell new people, I tend to micromanage you until I trust you and learn how you think. Uh, yeah. My dad was a law professor, the Socratic method, how you think is everything. So once I learn people's thought processes and, and really trust them, then I let go uh, all the reins. Um, right. And I think people have a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. Well, let's go back to your career a little bit. So gosh, almost 25 years, I think, with Paradise, right? From going out and working as a prep cook, as we talked about in your yep. overview, until you know uh, the, the business was sold to Panera, right? Successful in, in that transition. And, and you stayed on for a few years. So a couple of questions around that. So um, you know, was the um, desire to, to sell the business something that all three partners agreed with? And you know, was that something that you wanted to do in terms of the next step? 
Well, it, it's actually mean, 25 it's years, a, a good, good chunk it, of time. It is. And, uh, <laughs> it, it's actually kind of a funny story in that my partner, you know, we were not for sale at the time. Panera Bread approached us with a right. really nice offer. And my partner, Danny, came to me and said, you know, what do you want to do? And at that time, I was 40 years old and mm. I was finally running Paradise Bakery, um, had risen to the top and was running the business. And I said, you know, Dan, this is the kind of deal I want to do in 20 years when I'm 60. Yeah. And, he looked and at they me were in their 60s, right? Yeah. He looked brothers. at me and yeah. said, yeah. yep. And he looked at me and said, the only problem with that is I'm going to be 80. And, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. And, yeah, and right, look, right. look I, I love these guys, uh, you know, and uh, I said, got it done. And so we did it. Mm. And it was really the best thing that ever happened to me because, yeah. you know, I spent the first you uh, stayed if, on. Uh, yeah, I yeah. spent I spent the first twenty years of my career in this entrepreneurial role, right, and then I right. went to work for four years for a publicly traded yeah. company. And I, yeah. I've always said I've learned as much in that four years as I did in the previous nineteen. Can imagine how big were you at that twenty three year juncture when uh, Paradise was sold? Oh, we had about eighty restaurants. Wow. Wow, great. And then when you took over as uh, an SVP there, I think, right? You were overseeing uh, a big chunk of that uh, business or did yeah, you continue I mean, to manage I stayed, those 80 locations? Yeah, I stayed on as president of the Paradise Bakery uh, brand and then had some internal responsibilities um, at Panera. Right. Um, so I learned a ton. But that being said, when my four-year agreement was up, um, I knew I wanted to leave and go do something more entrepreneurial right. again and, um, and, you know, really find a high culture business that I just yeah. loved. And, and so you moved, a, you moved back to Colorado, right? From what yep, I gather. Moved yeah, back to a, Colorado. So were you looking around to start something, buy something? What was kind of your, your yes, thinking? Yes. I mean, re really, uh, really all of the above. I was looking to, you know, either go in, uh, find a private equity group and find a business to mm -hmm. buy. I was looking to start something. But that being said, I've never considered myself an exceptionally creative restaurateur. Um, mm -hmm. I think I have a great palate. I think I have a great understanding of the business. I'm more of the guy that can come in and take a great idea and scale it. Right. Um, so I really did. I spent a year and a half looking all around the United States for that next that next thing. And right at the time when I was the most frustrated that I'm never going to find that happy place again, um, or a place that I loved as much as I loved Paradise, sure. um, uh, I was introduced to Snooze. And yeah. uh, I drove down the next. Someone told me about Snooze. I drove down the next day. Uh, visited, uh, fell in love with it immediately. Came down the next week, met with the founders, and we had done a deal within, you know, four or five months, uh, and closed on the business, and we started growing it. So, how big were they at the time? That that just opened their sixth restaurant. Sixth, and now now you're over thirty or close to forty, I think now, correct? Yeah, we just we're getting ready to open in a couple of weeks. Our uh, number thirty eight. Fantastic! Congratulations, and and across five states, and I across. think a couple of thousand employees. Yep, we're uh, we're getting ready to open up in Charlotte uh, next year. We'll go into uh, Atlanta, Kansas City. Um, so we're really starting to scale, but we've really Fantastic. put the foundation in place in order to do that, and we've got the right people. Now, did you keep the founders on, or was it a you know thank you very much, shake hands, and and they went off their way? No, you know what? It was actually the best scenario from any deal out there in that I came into the business, they stayed uh, about three months, mm -hmm. and then uh, they were, they, again, two brothers, both the, right. both the founders, two brothers, <laughs> kind of follow uh, a theme yeah, in my career. dynamics there, and, right. Uh, John and Adam, and um, after about three months, John announced that he was moving his family to Italy, and Adam wow. announced he was moving his family to Australia. So, uh, so I really had that opportunity a couple years then to really get in and, and run the business and learn it. And 
But at the same time, a couple of years later, they came back and John's yeah. on our board. Um, I just saw Adam a few minutes ago here in the mothership. Yeah. And he's involved and still involved in uh, in our sustainability oh, and community cool. efforts. So, great. And they're great guys and uh, I love having them around. Well, I want to talk a little bit about company culture because, you know, in this situ situation scenario, there was a culture that was established, but, you know, any CEO kind of does set the stage for what a culture evolves to. Uh, do you spend a lot of time thinking about that or doing things that either reinforce a cultural message or, or maybe help to establish one if there wasn't one there already? Sure. I mean, we, th we think about it all the time and we talk mm -hmm. it all the about uh, it all the time. And the first time I met the founders of Snooze, uh, when I came down to Denver that week, the first question they asked when I was still uh, getting out of my car in the parking lot, they, <laughs> before we even sat down, they said, can you grow a business and keep the culture intact? Mm. Um, and I said, well, describe to me your culture because Snooze has an incredible culture. Yeah. And they were kind of like, well, it's a little bit of this and it's kind of like this and it's kind of like <laughs> this. And I said, look, guys, if you can't talk about it, you can't teach it. If you can't teach it, you can't scale it. Mm. So, you know, it's not enough to have a great culture of just people. Great businesses also have to have a culture of discipline and a culture right. of execution. Right. So Good I really see that that's systems, huh? great yeah. processes and yeah. systems. And this way, yeah. everyone is always on the same page. And also, you know, part of our processes and systems are, you know, any decision that we put through the business, we think about how does that impact our people? How does that impact the, the touch points that are important sure. to our culture? And, you know, we don't make any decision without running them through that filter. Um, yeah. You know, a culture is not a, it's not a, a thing. It's a thing you do. It really right. is, a, is a verb. Yeah. So yeah. we work on it every day. What would you say is, is most unusual or perhaps unique about Snooze? You know, for, for our industry, you know, we really are disruptors. I mean, if you mm. just visit Snooze, you notice it's not your grandparents' breakfast place. It is mm -hmm. loud. It's a little bit irreverent. Our people are certainly as unique uh, as as you'd find anywhere in the industry. We basically allow people to be themselves and we really mm. celebrate individuality. And I'd always thought it odd. And look, I, I work for Paradise Bakery and Panera, some pretty buttoned up businesses. And uh, I always found it odd kind of coming into the second half of my career that, you know, we always say that we hire people for personality. And then we mm. say, put on these khaki pants, this polo shirt and this name tag. So <laughs> conform, conform, right. Take your personality. So it's uh, snooze. We really hire for personality and then we mm. try to preserve it. And, you know, our, our employee manual or handbook literally says, you know, have good hygiene, wear a clean snooze t-shirt and let your freak flag fly. And you can have tattoos, nose rings, purple hair, you name it. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, we really celebrate the individual and we've got some amazingly cool people. But, you know, I, I also say we don't have any, you know, we don't have any servers um, that work for us. All of our, the people that work for us, they're artists and musicians mm -hmm. and teachers and writers and, you know, they're really unique individuals yeah. um, that bring this amazing sense of caring and hospitality to our snooze world. I haven't had the opportunity to visit one yet, so I do hope so soon. So describe us a little bit. Is it, it is a sit-down eatery, more of a diner type? Is it a Panera model? Is nope, it to serve it's yourself? A, it's a full-service restaurant, okay. and it's unlike anything you've seen before. The music yeah, is yeah. The music's really loud. People okay. always say, how do you know how loud just to turn up the music? And I always say, turn it up till the first person complains, <laughs> complains. and leave it right there. <laughs> 
That's exactly, you know, that's, that's the energy we want to create. We have yeah. a full bar, which is wow. very unusual. It's not just mimosas, but we actually have a full bar that opens at, uh, at six 30 in the morning. And oh my goodness, and yeah. that creates a, a ton of energy. We also have a ton of every kind of coffee drink you can think of. And then it's really what's unique about the concept. It's all chef driven, responsibly sourced food. So it's okay. really mm-hmm. the right food for how people are eating today. Uh, you know, 30 years ago when the first TV shows, you know, started featuring chefs and dinner houses became a big deal. And then that kind of transitioned into quick casual at lunch. Right, right. Uh, and now for, uh, you know, and we were actually the first restaurant to bring that to breakfast and apply those yeah. principles to breakfast. And if you yeah. want a snooze experience, you have to go to snooze. You can't, there, there's no one else doing what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Can't wait to visit. What would you say, uh, you know, you look for then when you're making the bets on the people you invest in? whether it's at the you know server level or in your executive suite? Yeah, we look for a desire to serve uh, and a desire mm-hmm. and an eight sense of hospitality. We are in the hospitality business. You have to like people. Um, you have to be outgoing. You have to have a great mm. personality. There's no such thing to me as a, as a, you know, an, an introvert um, uh, or a quiet person uh, that works for us because right. in, in order to be hospitable, you've got to put yourself out there. You need to greet people. You need to check on people. You have to truly connect with people. And when we do our communi- uh, our consumer, uh, our guest research, everything that comes back, which is really unique, is that um, th- there's really this desire. People come to snooze because they like being a part of it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of, it really is more than a restaurant. It's, it, it's a lifestyle brand. We, we kind of, our, our, our tagline is breakfast, but different. And we're different in all different ways. And I always find what's unique about snooze is we live in this digitally connected world and you walk into restaurants and everyone's on their cell phone all the time and you walk into snooze and people are actually talking with one another and nice. having a great time and connecting and phones are yeah. down on the table. And I love that. Yeah. How, how do you personally interview and hire? I, I know you probably don't get much involved on the frontline folks, but for people that are either your direct reports or, you know, in the corporate office or elsewhere, what, what are the kind of things you look for and ask about? Sure. I spend the first 20 minutes of an interview or, or 30 minutes just looking for a culture fit because that's mm. a, that's an absolute gate. If you yeah. don't have the personality for us, if you don't believe what we believe uh, and share those similar values, uh, it's kind of a non-starter. It doesn't matter what your experience is. Um, and then I usually really go into, uh, especially here at the mothership, you know, what is your skill set? What are your people mm-hmm. skills? What are your beliefs about people? Um, how do you bring that to the table? But, you know, if, if uh, you know, for listeners that just want to go online and look at our, um, team member job application. If you fill out a job application from snooze, you know, we have some really interesting questions like, mm. you know, if, uh, if you were a professional baseball player, you know, what would be your walk on song? Uh, <laughs> we, you know, we, we really celebrate individuality yeah. and, and are looking for someone that is, is more than an ubiquitous server out in the industry. Right. Right. Sounds like a very unique place. How do you decide if it's time to micromanage someone or, or, or stay out of the sandbox, so to speak? Well, I mean, it, it's a lesson learned as you come up through the ranks that you can't right. do this all yourself and uh, you're not the smartest guy in the room. I always think that's the biggest mistake anyone can make is to start um, believing they're the smartest person in the room. Mm. I've hired some amazing people around me um, at all levels and they're professionals at what they do. So I have to learn to trust them. 
And um, I, you know, I, I actually, from a leadership style, I allow people to make decisions. And oftentimes, um, you know, if I'm debating, you know, there, there, look, I, I always say to everyone, look, there, there's 10 ways to solve any problem. And our job is to find the one best way for snooze, right? <laughs> right, it, right. It's true. If we're standing on the 10 yard, 10 yard line and trying to call plays, we can think of 10 plays to get there, but we've got to pick the one that works. And if I'm debating uh, a play with with someone and I don't agree with them, I will oftentimes let them call that play. I mean, yeah, it's their right. part of the business to run. Um, and as long as it is a mistake, I think would not be detrimental in the long run for the business. Uh, some of those mistakes are the best learning lessons yeah. anyone can ever have. Uh, I can only teach people so much, but when you make a great, big, juicy mistake, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing makes you better as an individual That's um, right. and as a leader. That's right. Great, great philosophy. Well, David Razan, uh, CEO of Snooze, you've been very, very gracious with your time. Thank you. We, we do have one last question, which we ask all the CEOs. And, you know, what type of career and life advice would you give to someone who, you know, perhaps has their eyes on a corner office themselves or perhaps, you know, like you, runs their own restaurant someday? Sure. I tell this to young people all the time. Pick what industry you want to be in and go work in that industry. If you're working at a grocery store, yet you have desires to be in the music producing business, mm. go take a menial job in the music producing business. Quit wasting right. your time working at the grocery store. I mean, go right. get into the industry that you want to be in because you will, uh, I don't care how bad the job is, you'll meet people, you'll make contacts, and you'll learn. So it, you've got to start learning that craft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so important to be able to even just see if you like it, right? So many folks in a young age have those motivations. I always tell them, well, go go check it out. Go see. You may not, you may find that it's not something you like. And it's better to learn that early on rather than build a career around getting somewhere that you end up not liking to be. It's so true. I always tell people to try something on for a while. It, it, right, you know, it's right. like trying on a pair of pants. I mean, if you don't, if you don't <laughs> like it, you can return them or you can leave the job, but try it on, see how it feels and, and see if it, it's something that makes you feel great and that fits really well. Awesome advice. David, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Really had fun. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 